you for joining us today. My name is Erica Kramer, Senior Living Engagement Advisor at Martin Brothers. We're glad to be spending time with you again today because we all know the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. I got trajectory right again. That word always stops me up. So today I have two new guests joining us to talk about staffing. I know everybody is out there grumbling or hitting something, if not their head against the door. So staffing is a nationwide crisis and a nightmare right now. If I have senior living people listening, you're not alone. I don't know if that's reassuring, um, but it's a huge, broad topic. So specifically, we're going to be discussing changing your mindset and accepting the change needed for staffing in today's world. Because like um, I discussed with our guests earlier, it's not going away. Sorry if I just released that new information. Spoiler alert. I, I'm really sorry. You'll never like me again. So today we have Nathan Garbus, Director of Warehousing, and Ethan DeWall, VP of Operations for us here at Martin Brothers. Nathan has been with Martin Brothers since May of 2019 in his current role. So he got a little taste of normalcy before covid Right. Kicked in. Little taste. Um, prior to joining our team, he spent eight years in manufacturing leadership, but he's done everything from banking and finance to retail as a shoe salesman, to be more exact. And just so the audience knows, Nathan looks way too young to have all that experience. So I asked if he started working at the age 10, which he actually did as a paper boy. So you can imagine his experience and, and his hard work ethic is probably a little difficult to see the current staffing situation and understand. So keep that in mind. Um, he said he's a staunch introvert outside of work, but enjoys traveling with his wife and son, movies and fitness. Now, Ethan has been with Martin Brothers for 22 years in a variety of roles. And his free time, he involves it involves watching his two high school sons play sports. We actually live in the same community, so this year it involved me watching his son too, not to be creepy. Um, but I diked it pretty well. Uh, but he too once sold shoes, and he has the coolest white patent leather loafers I've ever seen, and he still wears them on occasion, but not today. He has cool socks, but not those shoes. And if I remember correctly, that's actually how you met Brooks Martin. And started working for Martin Brothers. A long time ago. Is because you were selling shoes. So Absolutely. is that why you two get along too? You guys both have a, a passion for shoe sales? Exactly. <laughs> we share so much in common. Uh, okay. We and Oh, and I realized that I talk about how young Nathan looks, but I don't talk anything about um, Ethan. And Ethan too, if he started 22 years ago, you would not guess that. So, sorry. Except for the gray hair. Except for the... Well, especially after COVID, I'm sure that didn't help. So we learned a little bit about your guys' experience, but I would like to give our audience a better peek into who you really are. So the icebreaker question I have relates to one of our topics on the agenda today, which is gamification. And it is, what is your favorite game? Board game, card game, sports game? My current favorite game is Trouble. Ah, so that is the game that I play with Connor, my son, and my wife, Ashley. And more often than not, I lose, but I still enjoy it quite tremendously. That's the pop one, right? Yeah, okay. that's the pop Sorry, one. Sorry, trouble sometimes. Yeah. Yep. 
That's a right. good choice. That's hard to beat. Uh, I love Monopoly. That's probably my favorite board game. Though Cards Against Humanity has become mm-hmm. a family oh, yes. favorite lately too. So yes, really and, fun stuff. And your uh, kids are old enough to be able to play that. Correct. Okay, mine are. Two, a couple uh, of teenagers really yeah. makes it interesting. Mine are one at first and third grade. That would make it awkward. What does that mean, Mom? Uh, <laughs> I just recently was introduced to the Nintendo Switch game, The Ultimate Chicken Horse. So if you have a Nintendo Switch, it's only $15, and you basically pick um, ways to try to get from one side uh, to the other, and you're trying to put things up that kills your opponents, but that you can get past, like a paper airplane thrower and yeah, a time warp hole. So it, it was surprisingly really fun when it, it was introduced to me. It sounds stupid, and it sounds really dumb, but fun to watch and play. <laughs> So, all right. So first I want to put into perspective for everyone the challenges you both are dealing with in regards to staffing, because I'm sure anyone listening feels like they probably have the worst situation and are alone, but they aren't. Martin Brothers is located in Cedar Falls, Iowa, where there is not one, but five John Deere plants, as well as a huge no, two Target distribution mm-hmm. centers literally down the street from our warehouse advertising their competitive wage with ginormous signs on the corner. So that's not helpful to us as well. So your work's cut out for you, and there's always been competition in our employee pool. But when did you start to notice or start to go, oh, crap, this may be hard to, oh, my gosh, this won't change? And was there a moment you remember, or has it been gradual? Well, first off, I'd say this is definitely not unique to us, so I'd second that thought, right? Um, It's felt like we're pretty much beating our heads against the wall for all of almost two years, 20 months now, give or take. I would say the first time was the obvious one where it impacted everybody was March of 2020 or April 2020. And on that side was trying to figure out what do we do because it was we were overstaffed at that point, Mm -hmm. but we didn't want to lose the workforce that we had. So we had to get creative about how do we maintain all the employees that we currently have without impacting their livelihoods, things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the first major hurdle, I would say, which we did some various things to overcome that with some uh, rotating layoffs where we kept everybody in place. Um, But at the same time, we had to put in force a hiring freeze because there was no volume, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so we moved on from there and I think the next time where I really felt like, oh Lord, what's going to happen was November of last year. So roughly a year ago mm-hmm. when it started to feel a little bit more like we might get back to some level of normalcy. So then it was flipping the script entirely to how do we get more people in the door and maintain the volume of employees that we think we're going to need for, especially this past summer when traditionally our peak season kind of lands Um, and nothing seemed to work right out the gate. So I think the third period was kind of the first part of this year, January to March, when we were doing everything we used to do to try to hire people and nothing was going anywhere. We couldn't get people to stick. Could you Um, get applications even? The application flow wasn't as high as we wanted it to be, all those things, right? So we started to think about how do we need to turn velocity? Um, how do we get more people in the door? How do we, if they're not good, subsequently <laughs> send them out the door again, right? Like there's both sides of the equation, right? And I'm sure everybody feels that. Um, so we got 
uh, involved into more counterintuitive hiring practices where we were, we basically realized we don't know anybody any better than the person down the street. And so we started hiring with more frequency, but then turning people if they weren't the right fit. So it was kind of a counterintuitive approach where you always tried to hire the right person first, which takes longer. Mm -hmm. We kind of turned that on its head and decided, well, let's hire more people and then spend more time determining if they are the right fit after they're already here. So I think we've done a number of things, but there were many aha moments, I guess I would say, in in summary. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know I, I took a warehouse tour with Ethan in about 2017 or so, I think it was about five years ago, and I remember Ethan mentioning even back then that there had been changes in employees, that everyone needed a pat on the back and, and recognition, um, but we'll, you know, and that was different than what we'd been used to, because previously it was just, you come, you work, you get your paycheck, mm-hmm. and that's why we have this job. So what's the difference between your recruiting and re- retention efforts now versus that five to ten years ago? Um, before you were talking about that, Ethan, and what are you doing now to gain applications? I think, well said, I think the big thing was we knew it was changing, right? You could feel it, you could see it, but it was slow, right? And it was adapting and maybe it was a little more pat on the back or a little more appreciation, which that's all good stuff. And then as Nathan described, all of a sudden we hit all these walls and it just expedited exponentially, right? It just went super fast. Mm -hmm. And trying to adapt to that and adjust to it was... Uh, scary, I guess, for lack of a better word, right? And uh, I think we just had to find different ways to both approach advertising, approach recruiting. We've tried to do all that. We use multiple channels to advertise. We try to draw applications from different, in different ways than maybe we used to, or we're mm-hmm. maybe more limited in the advertising we did. We recognize that. We try to, again, change the approach, get more volume through, and then help them stick, help them stay, and see the the greatness of this place that we all appreciate, right? So I think that's probably the the biggest difference is just trying to get more people here in volume rather than trying to find the perfect fit right away, Mm -hmm. trying to fit them in once we get them. Mm -hmm. That's onboarding too, training. Absolutely. It it all ties together for sure. So I'm guessing you guys are using a lot of social media avenues in order to gain, probably more so than we did before. Absolutely. I I mean – our social media prior to this was, I wouldn't want to call it non-existent, but it certainly wasn't what we've done since. Right. Um, obviously, the, there's the standard ones, right? There's Facebook. We got reignited in using that. Um, we dabbled with Instagram as well. Um, we dabbled with TikTok. Um, so we, you know, we were trying to basically decide what was the social media of the age, right? right? And TikTok has certainly become more more prevalent. So we did dabble in that. I wouldn't say that we've perfected it per se, uh, but we've at least given it uh, a go. And we've had some of our employees, specifically drivers in this case, that were actually posting some videos. We did a TikTok video during an appreciation event uh, that was done fairly well. From an amateurist perspective, I have no idea how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But Alan Slack did it fantastically, and I thought it was cool. Um, well, and, and I'll point out for anyone out there who's like, well, I can barely use my phone. Alan and I looked at TikTok together first. He's one of our um, marketing gurus. And we didn't. We took a video and didn't know how to slow it down because it was really fast. So we went from not even knowing how to take a normal, like, you know, video 
to posting a really good one that would get people's attention. So it can be done. Right. Can be Absolutely. Done. You just got to take a chance, right? Right. Like, and you know, all you need is a phone and everyone has that. And I'll point out too, for anyone listening, that there are over 600 million um, users for TikTok and it's one of the fastest growing apps. And that is one of the top, that in YouTube um, is one of the top social media um avenues for the younger generation, that Gen Z, mm-hmm. that 18, the 23. So I'm just putting a real quick plug. We'll see more information on social media as a way to help you with recruiting efforts from us. But if you're not, if you're looking only at Facebook, you need to look past that because not as many people are on Facebook. Why? Because us dorky parents are on Facebook. <laughs> so they got to go underground and go somewhere else. So sorry, I digress. Um, And I think, you know, I just kind of mentioned onboarding, but Nathan, when you're saying we're going to hire a lot of people and and Ethan, you said, and then kind of kind of make them our own. um, I think many times onboarding is not focused on and it really is important for retention. I know our company has been focusing on that experience and I've recently noticed in a newsletter that we now introduce new team members and that out of just in one newsletter out of 17 new hires, eight had gaming or video games as an interest. I think that's maybe a generation thing. Um, but then I heard about all the gamification you started implementing with our team. Now, how did you connect? Hey, our group likes gaming. Maybe we should try introducing that into their day. Walk us through how that started. So I definitely wasn't as brilliant to think that I knew what was going on, right? <laughs> I'll say this much, right? You could have taken the credit. <laughs> my my most recent gaming console that I have at my house is a Nintendo Wii. Fortunately, oh. my boy loves it, okay. but right, that's a 2006 technology. It's, yeah, it's a little... So I wouldn't call myself a gamer personally, right? Uh-huh. But I had heard... I remember being at a IFTA share group presentation, and I don't remember who. Um, I wish I could, but somebody mentioned the idea of gamification. And at that point, this was pre-COVID, you know, I thought nothing of it. Um, but for whatever reason, it spurred my memory at some later point. And just said, you know what, there's got to be a different way to maybe consider motivating people specifically, improving morale, because that's obviously been another challenge, right? Mm-hmm. And so I literally just Googled gamification, did about, I don't know, two hours of research one day and literally built the games that I introduced last May in an afternoon and delivered them to my group the next day. And the thinking was, as I brought it up to Ethan, was it's worth trying. If I fall flat on my face and people don't enjoy it, it is what it is, but it's another opportunity to try to take advantage of things that we weren't currently doing. And, uh, I've learned a lot of about them since. We've actually done six games now, or I'm in the middle of games five and six. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have been, at least to me, a boon to the employee morale and, and kind of the optimism level and um, people realizing that there's something beyond just moving boxes, moving cases, loading trucks, things of that nature, which is what we do day in, day out, right? So... And I think that's a, two good points. First of all, you had to try something new. Mm-hmm. So everyone listening, unfortunately, we have to make changes and try new things. Um, but also, you know, when you think of gamification, easy to do for sales, for example. We've been doing that forever and ever. Um, but for for 
um, jobs like in the warehouse or people that are listening, you have servers or you've got um, people in your dietary team or, or CNAs, it's still possible to take any role and turn it into a gamification. So to help everyone kind of understand how that would work, you want to share some of your games that have worked or your favorite ones? Absolutely. So um, obviously the plan was make it fun, make it competitive. The easiest way that I could attack it at first was daily metrics that we already have within the warehouse and tying the games to that. So the first three that we tried were pretty much associated with, you know, cost per case metrics. They were associated with attendance, with safety, um, things of that nature. So things that we track on a day in, day out basis. And so that's what I did because that's a tangible metric that could meet. So I've had six, as I said. I'll try to give you brief synopsis of, of all. One was aimed at selectors. We called it selector blackout. It was essentially bingo blackout, and it was tied to their efficiency ratios, their uh, accuracy ratios, and attendance. So at the end of the day, if they blacked out all nine squares, which was over an eight-week period, they could earn a... Um, financial incentive and then we had one ultimate winner of that as well and at a bare minimum if they blacked out the perfect attendance square over the eight week period everybody got a t-shirt which the cool thing about that was i had almost almost 80 percent of the people that participated made the perfect attendance so it did have a tangible impact on people being there and it was Um, it's not like a shirt cost hundred dollars right i mean the shirt was 15 bucks i can't remember Right. right whatever it was Um, but it was useful in that regard for sure because it got people to show up during a period where it was obviously challenging to (laughs) get people to show up, right? Who knew all it took was a shirt? (laughs) (laughs) So that one was cool. Um, I also played a team-based game uh, during that same period that I was related to my inbound team, and it was a poker game. So one of the metrics we have is cost per case, and I can do it by division. Mm-hmm. So I have a dry division, a freezer division, a produce division, and they competed day by day for whoever had the lowest cost per case metric. Whoever did, whichever team, the supervisor came, they drew a poker card. And the cool thing about it was it didn't depend on how many days you won because obviously poker's a chance-based game. Mm-hmm. It was about building the best hand. So there was a lot of a, um interest and how that went and people would regularly ask me who was winning so I posted results every day who had the best hand things of that nature and then we did a group-based game where everybody had an opportunity to win so I was running three games concurrently and those were prizes you got tickets for attendance you got tickets for being safe Um, and then literally it was a random drawing at the end and we gave away some cool prizes Um, and then we had a grill and chill event that coincided with the end of all these games. So if you didn't win, you at least got a burger, you got a brat, etc. Um, so it was fun for everybody. And then I've had three games that have happened in the fall. The first one was Gold Standard, which had team component and an individual component. Um, Gold Standard was a coin term that Ethan brought up. We had some shirts made from some leadership, so I kind of stole that idea. Um, but it was, again, based on metrics and uh, that one, I shortened the duration to four weeks. And then the current games that we're running are um, totally unrelated to metrics. So I tried something totally different. Uh, at the end of an appreciation event that we had at, at the end of October, I announced a game I called Oh My Gord, which is a gratitude-based game. It has absolutely nothing to do with workplace metrics. It is a peer-to-peer driven game, 100%. You nominate a coworker for 
acts of kindness to coincide with basically Thanksgiving, and both the nominator and the nominee are eligible for small prizes. Uh, we're in the middle of that right now, obviously, as we record this, it's pre-Thanksgiving, um, but that is something that has gone fairly well. And then I also introduced uh, a No Shave November contest. So I look That's like a disheveled uh, hillbilly mm -hmm. right now because I'm participating and the grays in my beard are showing up. Uh, but uh, I had about 12 entries to that. A lot of the guys and gals, um, both eligible, um, obviously for facial hair or for body hair, uh, as I um, also announced. And if you're a male that enters, the females get 10 times the voting privileges. If you're a female that enters, the males get 10 times voting privileges. So it's something oh, that is, you know, is, okay. just for intrigue. Um, and that way it had no pressure surrounding work. It was just for fun. Uh, so that was a new path that I took with, with the games and contests during the course of November. So. Well said. I think also that one's cool. It supports a charity, right? So we put that one out there as a little mm -hmm. announcement. I That's think right. all yep. the games are no fun and unique in different ways. Right. And we've, we've stole them and in the midst of using them in other departments or have used them. We've played poker and accounting or, you know, oh, we're in the midst yeah. of a uh, idle time contest for drivers. So there's little things we've stole Nathan's brilliance and are using it. But I think the story of all stories, it kind of epitomizes it is the Sean story, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So... <laughs> At the end of uh, the warehouse prize drawing game, which was the one that was all encompassing of, of per shift, um, there were nine prizes per shift, and I added a tenth that was a discretionary vacation day. That's beside the point. But Sean Johnston, one of our uh, forklift drivers in the freezer, longtime employee, I, I couldn't tell you, maybe seven, eight years, I, I, that could be inexact, but uh, he's been around for a while. Um, his wife wanted him to put all his tickets toward a specific prize, being a TV that I had purchased. And one of the other prizes was a Nintendo Switch, to your point of the game that you enjoy playing right now. <laughs> it's a Nintendo Switch. That's a gaming console, obviously. He put one ticket he earned towards the Nintendo Switch, and uh, one of my supervisors in Leeds told me that his wife was going to be so upset if he somehow randomly won that prize. So we played an intentional prank on him where when I announced the winner, even though it wasn't him, I had one person film me announcing his name as the winner and one person uh, film Sean receiving it. And the look on his face. Like, priceless. When <laughs> The look on his face when he thought he won that switch. I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah, it wasn't elation. That's <laughs> basically what I'll say. It was like, oh, no. no. Um, so obviously we pulled the rug out from under him and, and announced the real winner. But it was, a, it was a fun moment. Caught a lot of la laughs and boosted, I think, the experience for everybody as well. Well, and I'll point something out. I was able to join um, for... The last, um, well, chill and grill kind of thing. It wasn't grilling. It was pizza. Um, and it is nice to, to get everyone in a group and, and um, you know, thank them for what they do and, and get them together so they can chat and talk and meet other people. So that was really cool. Um, I wish I would have recorded it because the Oh My Guard is a really good idea. Anyone who's listening, like I said, um, at first, I was like, well, no, I was thinking in my head, no one's going to nominee anyone. No one's going to put in the effort. And then when they also get a ticket, I was brilliant, brilliant. Um, but also I wanted to point out, too, I think a lot of times 
when we've talked with customers, they'll say, well, we have a, a gift card that they can win um, if, if they show up to work. It's not very thought, and, and I know no one has a lot of time, but I think you guys kind of try to have prizes that you know your team will want mm-hmm. instead of just going, hey, here's a Amazon gift card for $50. Like you're saying, people wanted that T-shirt for $15. Um, if I remember correctly, someone had suggested a gift card to get a tattoo, mm-hmm. and that was a big deal, Right. more so than the TV. Yeah, so, that, that was a fantastic idea that was actually brought up by my assistant shipping manager, John Potter. He brought it to my attention. I asked, e, is this something we'd be willing to uh, uh, basically invest in? <laughs> invest in? And um, it was a highly sought-after prize when I was running the gold standard game. By weight volume, that's all I can tell you, because there were tens of thousands of tickets between the boxes that I had out. It was by far... Uh, the, the most popular, and uh, uh, the individual got to pick the tattoo artist of choice. Um, so once they won, um, Devon notified me who he wanted his tattoo artist to be, and I went out and got the certificate. And I know he had by the time I had gotten the certificate, he had already had his tattoo time scheduled. So it was like an immediate planning uh, that he had done after winning the tattoo. So put some thought in. Yeah, uniqueness is key, right? You want to understand, yes, what it is that your people actually want. An Amazon gift card is obviously what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you put some thought into what you're trying to motivate, I think you'll go a lot farther. Yeah, I think the uniqueness matters more than the value, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, for example, camp chairs were camping chairs were one of the prizes that I originally bought, just a pair of camping chairs. But there was an employee, a couple employees, that that's what they targeted. And the guy that won them put all his tickets towards those two camping chairs during that particular game. So there's variation to what people are interested in, for sure. Not everybody wants the same thing, so you got to get a little bit uh, creative Mm -hmm. with what you select, I guess, would be my advice. Well, and um, Ethan, you've been here for a little bit of time. Was it hard, or I should say, what was your attitude or reaction when Nathan comes knocking on your office door and says, hey, I'm going to add an incentive and, you know, offer people prizes and money um, if they show up to work, which really they're supposed to be doing because we offer them a paycheck. Uh, So what was your reaction when he said he wanted to motivate them to do what they're supposed to do, show up and do their job? Uh, probably who hired this guy, right? <laughs> who happened to be me. Uh, in all seriousness, I think it was a little bit shock at first, and then it was how, what do we really need to do, right? And it is a creative, different approach. So once I got over the, that's not me? the way we do it. Yeah, and are you kidding me? Well said. Uh, I accepted it, right? And I thought, we got to try something. So why not try this? Mm-hmm. So. I might not have been on board on the first two minutes, but he definitely won me over after the first 30, right? And it's been well worth seeing. Yeah. So it, I had to adapt, but it's been worth it. And I think our overall, our support from senior leadership has been great. You talked about being at the, at the party, right? At the pizza party. We had a number of other people. We happened to do those around Halloween who literally dressed up and walked around the 
warehouse. Like that, that goes over yes. so, so well, right? Absolutely. So you, you can imagine Cousin Eddie walking around uh, the warehouse and the smiles that brings to people's faces. So mm-hmm. the, the participation from other parts of the company has been excellent and fun to see as well. So it can make it fun in a lot of different ways. By the way, Cousin Eddie was in the freezer. So if you've oh. seen the movie... You'll understand how painful that could potentially be. <laughs> it was it was a, the scene when he's in the morning time. That was his outfit. Yep. So that involves um, <laughs> bare legs. Correct. Ugh, team, I'm glad I wasn't there. Team effort for <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so I guess the big question is, you know, have you seen any legitimate outcomes? And not, I mean, any data or anything? Yeah, I'd I'd say. Obviously, the one I mentioned previously was when we did the perfect attendance piece, I literally had 80% that made it eight weeks without missing a day, which is challenging in its own right, given all the regularity between people coming sick, right? COVID in the midst of that, which we didn't penalize if it was a true COVID Mm -hmm. uh, outage or absenteeism from work, things of that nature. But I would say the engagement it's hard to put a tangible impact to it, I will, I will admit, but the engagement from an intangible perspective has definitely been better. People are curious about the games. They ask questions. Um, when I was running poker, like I t- said, they wanted to know what card was drawn, what position they were in amongst the three teams. Um, you know, it did impact our receiving efficiency because obviously you had to do better right. as a group in order to receive the winning card hand or card for that day. Um, and then the other thing that I did notice, one of the components I put into one of the games was the opportunity to earn discretionary tickets. Mm-hmm. So in the warehouse prize drawing game that I did over the eight-week period from May to July, I gave each of my supervisors and managers one sheet each, which had, I think, 18 tickets on it, and they had discretionary guidance where if somebody went above and beyond, they volunteered for an extra shift or they picked up, um, you know, a spill that might have occurred and it wasn't their fault. Whatever the case is, whatever the supervisor noticed, they could write a discretionary ticket to that employee. And although it guaranteed nothing, Mm -hmm. because it was still all by chance, to get that discretionary ticket lit up people's faces and they were chasing those things. I had more people volunteer for extra shifts based on the opportunity to get a discretionary ticket. Um, so, again, hard to put a stat behind that per se, yeah, but yeah. definitely uh, intangible for sure that was still impactful. I think it's carried over well to the Oh My Gord game as well, Absolutely. right, where we've seen a number of truly uh, appreciated events amongst each other, which is kind of cool to see, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So people are actually – Building relationships and your attitudes and morales are, and if you start to like the people you work with, it's hard to leave. I think that's good. I mean, if you like who you work with, the idea of going somewhere else, you might work with a bunch of jerks. Right. Sometimes the money isn't worth that unknown or that possibility, because have you had people leave and come back since doing this stuff? We absolutely have. I've had, uh, and obviously everybody's got to explore their own future, right? right? right. So I understand that totally. <clears throat> but we've had, I could get my count wrong, three for sure, but I believe four uh, selectors specifically that had left an early part of the summer thinking they were going somewhere better and greater. And in one case lasted two weeks before they 
asked to come back, uh, knowing that they had essentially made the wrong choice, at least for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had at least two others. There's definitely four over the course of the last nine months that have returned and come back into the same role that they had before, knowing that, you know, nobody's perfect and no employer's right. perfect, but I think we've done a lot of things that we're at least trying. Mm-hmm. We're trying to change. We're trying to be better for employees, do things differently, not the same old status quo uh, that everybody's used to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well said. Well, I remember when I first started at Martin Brothers, I was um, an intern, so I also had a job at a big corporation part-time, and I came here for one day, and then I went back, and I worked with a gal named Karen. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) I did. It wasn't, oh, Karen. It was, her name was Karen, and I said, it's really, it's, it's really weird, Karen. People there seem to like working there, like coming to work. She goes, oh, it's your first day. You'll notice that that's not true. And, you know, honestly, if I saw Karen again, I've been here for 15 years, and it's still true. And and that's hard to leave being around people like that. So um, anyone listening, you guys, uh, you know, you guys are a big part of keeping your people or, Mm -hmm. you know, no offense, maybe why why they're leaving. So kind of consider our own attitudes and and how we're we're doing this and, you know, thinking about others. now, I'm going to focus more on you two as leaders as I talk about being good leaders so people want to be around you. You guys are fun and you joke around. Uh, the Sean story kind of mm-hmm. shares that. Do you think as a leader that that's an important trait or an approach with your team? Uh, and if so, how has it helped? Having a sense of humor, not I, being stick, you know, stiff. I ab- <laughs> yes, I absolutely do. Um, trying to avoid being stuffy is... Mm-hmm you know, always a challenge, right? Because we're expected to make tough decisions, you know, make sure that the company does well financially, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, nobody will support you from an employee perspective if you're, you know. A jerk. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I was trying to avoid swearing personally. But uh, uh, so I think the opportunity to make sure that you're always kind of being self-deprecating and mm-hmm. making sure you have a sense of humor about things. The Sean is a example is a good one, right? Like when we have or when I have or whoever has a group discussion within the warehouse, and I'm only speaking of the warehouse because that's where I'm, I land, we always try to make it fun, airy, have jokes involved. Most of the people are comfortable with, you know, being called out, which obviously I target specific individuals that I know won't uh, (laughs) (laughs) come back. Once again, know your team. (laughs) Exactly. So yes, there is that component as well. But, you know, as you said in the intro, I'm I'm introverted outside of work, but I have to try to be Mm -hmm. fun and jovial inside the multiple walls of our warehouse so that people do maintain a level of confidence in what we do that they have a good attitude. The work is hard. Mm-hmm. It is, it's unavoidable. The work is hard. Warehouse work is not easy. So we do have to make sure as a leader that we're keeping people's spirits as high as we possibly can. It's not easy either, but it's something that we got to tackle. I think we just try to be consistent and real every day, right? So if you're the same guy every day when it's good or bad, it makes giving that good or bad news a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't, 
they don't doubt it as much, right? They don't try to see through it because, mm-hmm. well, you're, you're the same guy yesterday and then you're the same guy tomorrow. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that really matters. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Nathan, well, I think one time we had talked and you're like, yeah, I'll even swear in an interview with if I if the person for sure to make sure that they know I'm a real person too, and yeah, this is who we are. So that's I'm not saying that, that that's one of everyone needs to write down. I should swear at my interview at the person, but just to give you an idea on being real and what that means. Um, but you obviously need to get things done. Um, so I think uh, Ethan, you basically just answered this. But, you know, how do you make sure you get stuff done as you're walking around being fun? That's kind of hard. Or not hard, but it it could be kind of hard to walk that line. I think you adapt to it, right, and you find the way. And I I think it's as easy as, hey, I need you to do a favor, please, right? Mm -hmm. So one is just being cordial. Mm -hmm. And two is you're out there and they see you all the time. So asking them to do whatever task it may be or whatever favor you may need gets easier. And you can incorporate maybe a joke at the right time or Mm -hmm. ask about your family or whatever the thing may be. It's not all just fun and games, right? And you you just learn to balance the two when the moments are right. But again, they see you for who you are every single time, which makes it easier. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you can remain clear in the expectations you have, but the delivery is how Mm -hmm. it matters, right? So again, if it's stuffy, they're not going to, my employees specifically are not going to get behind me if it's always black and white. You have to do X, you have to do Y, you have to do Z mm-hmm. with no fun to boot. Um, so you can have clear lines and expectations, but if you communicate effectively, it goes a lot farther than just these are the rules, these are the policies, follow them, right? Right, right. Don't be jerky, right? And I think ask rather than tell as much as possible really matters over time, right? Absolutely. Well, I'm not a manager, but I also think um, if if you still rely on other people to help you be successful no matter what your job is, and uh, I've been around people where where they will say, well, that person only talks to me when they need something. Sure. So I, you know, really trying to, when you see someone say hi remember what you talked about or ask about it and then listen um, so that when you ask them to do something, they want to help you because they like you. Absolutely. So I think, yeah, being real and being likable, you, you don't have to be funny all the time to be likable. So and the learn high, their names. Yeah, yeah learn their names. Oh, my Absolutely. gosh. And the hello as you pass is huge, right? Yep. Even if you don't get a hello in return, which happens, right? Yep. But the fact of the matter is, you should say it. As a leader, you should say hi. You should definitely acknowledge everybody. You should definitely learn their names, which, you know, with turnover is extremely challenging, obviously, but it still goes a long way. Yeah. It sets the bar too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it makes people feel important. Well, they they are important. Well, yeah. Right? So that's what I mean. It sets the bar that they are important. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm a jerk. I better not never never manage people. I mean, they kind of feel important. They aren't. True. Yeah. Yes, they are important. And that's one of the ways to show that. And like we said before, it's not always a $250 gift card. So that's that's not always the thing. Right. Um, um, I know neither of you guys are fortune tellers. uh, But what do you think is going to happen as we move forward? How long is this crisis going to last? Be the doomsday person. So, uh, you know, I will admit 
my tendency is pessimism. Mm -hmm. So this is definitely a challenge for me to flip my mindset to your point of you have to change your mindset. This has definitely been a challenge for me, right? To think through what the future holds is hard. I would say though that if you're counting on it going back to the way it was, you are going to be sorely mistaken. Mm -hmm. So I would start to develop strategies as if that's not the case. Um, I think that this will be everlasting, maybe not to the extent that it is now, but at the end of the day, I truly believe that employees are going to expect more from their, from their employers. Mm -hmm. So the sooner that you jump on that bandwagon as a leader, the better off you'll be. You'll be able to retain people better. And I'm not saying we got it all figured out because I'm still struggling with the retention piece. Yeah. Certainly. Um, the stats that I have are probably no better than a lot of people listening, to mm -hmm. be 100% honest. But that's not a reason to throw up your arms and say we shouldn't do anything different than we're doing right now. So constantly evolving and, and being willing to try new things, even if they don't go well. <laughs> I said it to Ethan the other day. I said, it's hard for me to pinpoint if any of the things specifically are having the intended impact because I've done a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, the more stuff I throw at the wall, if any of it works and I have increased retention, I don't really care particularly which one of those things was the ultimate right. Right. You know, um, thing that made the difference because at the end of the day, if people are smiling and they're coming to work, I've won regardless. So that's kind of the attitude that I've chosen to take anyway. Well, and I think we think all the prizes matter and the difference is there. It's the same thing with the different approaches, right? Keep throwing them out there, see what sticks. And it plays better with different parts of our audience, if you will, different parts of our team. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it successful. Trying to uh, identify what's exactly working is probably fruitless time that doesn't really matter, right? It's yeah. the overall success that matters, not so much the Specific. one little item. Yeah. Right. So I think that's what matters. Because if it is only one item, eventually that one item will get stale as well. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to change that one item. So you're better off in my mind trying multiple things and then just that keeps everything fresh, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think uh, I was uh, having a discussion with some senior living corporate people uh, doing some training. And I think, too, um, the generations, what was an expectation in the generation above you, that lower generation is now a need. So like mm -hmm. when we graduated from college, it was, oh, I, I hope they have a 401k. Ask if they offer a, a retirement plan. Well, that's not an expectation. That's just a I'm not even going to ask the question because you, you have to have some sort of retirement plan for me. So I think, too, it's, it's kind of hard because the expectations have turned into needs. So now what's an expectation? It keeps getting, you know, a little bit higher and higher for what we, what we can offer. Um, and, gosh, you kind of make it sound like it could be exhausting. <laughs> uh, so um, what are some... You know, our audience includes a lot of managers who've gone through COVID. It seems like things aren't getting any better. It sounds so exhausting. Yeah, I always felt like last year I kept going, let's get to 2021. That's our year. And now I feel like we're in November at the time of this recording. It's absolutely like, let's get to 2022 or maybe even June of 2022. So any advice or parting words 
for people out there that are trying to build their teams, that are dealing with the struggles that we're dealing with, you know, how are you not getting exhausted with this thought that I'm going to have to keep being creative, I'm going to have to keep changing, I'm going to have to keep trying? Well, I think at the end of the day, this is a different problem, but it's a problem, and as leaders, as, you know, anybody for that matter, our expectation is that we solve problems. So if you think about it in terms of being a solution-oriented individual, problems are ever-changing. So there might be a new wrinkle in COVID. There might be a new wrinkle in hiring. You're just going to have to keep educating yourself um, and basically facing it head-on. I mean, crash the car, I guess. I don't know how else <laughs> to put it, right? Um so dig at the edges, think about stuff outside the box, right? Whether or not anything I've said or Ethan has said or you've asked resonates with anybody. You might think it's all hocus pocus, but it's something different that wasn't expected and wasn't done 20 months ago. In mm-hmm. most cases, I'm sure mm-hmm. there were progressive companies that were doing things that I wasn't doing at that time. Um, but learn from other examples, read. I read a lot just to try to think of there's if I can find a silver bullet, because I haven't found it yet, maybe one's out there that I haven't thought of. So listen to stuff like this, read regularly, um, and then just try things. There's nothing wrong with failing, right? Like if people see you as a moron because you tried something new, well, it is what it is, right? <laughs> maybe they're but, the moron. <laughs> but at least you tried something, yeah. right? Yeah. It was something different, and it wasn't just, hey, I expect you to be here, punch the clock, do your job, and go home, right? It's show some compassion for your employees. Lead them to the next level, right? Everybody has a challenge that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. So you can only sit in the chair that you have and do the best you can in the chair that you're sitting in, I guess, is the best advice Mm -hmm. I could give. I would say also take the time boundary off of it, right? It's not going to change when the calendar flips over. For sure. And I would challenge, you know, I've been doing this a fairly long time. There's a lot of things that have changed over 20-some years. This is just another one of those things. And try to have that mindset of, okay, we're adapting to this now, right? I started way back for Y2K, right? So that was maybe the first thing I learned to adapt to. Well, this is something like that, right? So I think being willing to be different, be willing to keep changing matters. Like Nathan said, keep appreciating your employees. Mm -hmm. Make them want to be there. Like mm-hmm. if they feel like they're forced to be there, it's just a paycheck that you're doomed to fail, right? Sure. And we're all guilty of that at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that open mindset really makes a difference. And it's it's an evolution, right? But it, definitely when the calendar flips, it's not going to change. Like it's right. not time bound. No. So I well, feel like it's acceptance gonna be different. is the number one key <laughs> to mindset change. Acceptance, acceptance and just evolving. Keep moving. Accept it. And you can be better, right? It's going to be better. It's going to be different. There's no way it's going back to the way it was. Right. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. but it's not time bound and it's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. innovate where you can and make improvements where you can and try to enjoy it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Find some way. Try. To, yeah. 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 I saw um, a picture uh, um, and it was people that fail and, and people that succeed. And there were boxes that said fail on it. And the one, it was falling on top of them, and the other one was using it to step. So every failure, they were using it as a step stone um, to, to move up and move forward. So, yeah, learning. And, and if we've even just gotten you guys to accept um, and stop looking in the rearview mirror, 
keep looking forward. That that would be a win in my eyes from this podcast. Um, any parting words? We talked about a lot of stuff. I'd say the only other thing is we're all in it together, right? Yeah. While we might not have the exact same problems, we all have problems. And not only think about how you can solve your own, but is there mutual ways we can solve them? Or you have a creative idea we'd mm-hmm. like to hear, or whatever it may be, or you're a friend of yours, or whoever Even it might your be. Own company, sometimes right? It's, it's yeah, very just siloed. brainstorm and think about it differently. That's be my two cents. Uh, I'll just go between me and Ethan. Right? We send emails to each other with regularity, and typically the title says "Another Dumb Idea." <laughs> but at the end of the day. <laughs> I always joke with him. I do my most ridiculous thinking in the shower. Me too. <laughs> right. Not so to like I'm standing weird, in the shower yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is genius. <laughs> this is the best idea ever. And then I get 25 minutes to drive to work and think it through. And I'm like, maybe Ethan won't agree. But I'm going to send him this stupid email anyway and see if he <laughs> challenges me or if he throws an even stupider idea at me. And that's just kind of how we we have fun with the craziness of what's going on as well, right? And uh, to your point of collaboration, you know, we're involving cross-functional departments to try to figure out the next piece, which is we're all battling trying to just get people Mm -hmm. to work for us. And then the next challenge is not only how you do that, but how you then retain them. So that's kind of the next evolution of this. And and for everybody that chooses to forward think in that approach, I think we'll all be a lot better off. Again, we're still evolving on that front, and we got a long way to go at Martin Brothers too. Um, but we're at least having serious discussions about that and thinking of all those things on the fringe that might be the next iteration of what the employee experience is. Don't give up. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, these guys are extremely busy ensuring we can service our customers and give them legendary customer service, continue to feeding school kids, seniors, restaurant goers. Um, but your experience and knowledge is something that I just thought we really needed to share with our audience. So thank you again both for your time. Absolutely. Um, and thank you to everyone listening your, for your time as well. We look forward to having you Uh, Join us again because we all know the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. Have a great day. Bye. (laughs)